Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining me, my friends. I am looking forward to this conversation, and I am so blessed, and I hope that you're feeling blessed too. We've got a lot to be thankful for as we serve the kingdom, and I just can't wait to to help you. I think this podcast is going to be super helpful for people, because let me ask, do you have a good way that you truly plan out your ministry? Now, I know some of you are natural planners, but some of you may not be, and and I wonder do you know why it's important to have a good plan and why it can help you see growth in all areas from volunteers to your to your discipleship to engaging with parents? Figuring out what you do is super important. And my guest has a great, thoughtful, fun way, clear way of helping leaders build a plan to grow yourself, your team, and your ministries and it's a good friend of mine. We've been chatting off air like we always do, but now we're finally recording so we can get at this and share this information with you. Jason Tilly, my friend, welcome back to the KMC podcast, my brother. Oh, thank you for having me, Tom. Hey, I'm glad that you're here. You just had the opportunity to present a, a similar breakout at Children's Pastors Conference, one of my favorite conferences to go to. And we thought, man, this would be a great thing to share on the podcast because we have a lot of new to ministry leaders listening to the podcast now and, and in the in our Facebook group. And so I think, really think this would be something that would be helpful to them. So I'm really glad that you get a chance to, to share this with us today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I've, I've done ministry with a plan and without a plan. I've done both. And I can tell you that with a plan is much better. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not one of those that's like, I'm like, well, I got to plan it down to the last detail. Kind of, this is everything that's going to happen. But what I've found that if you have like a visionary style plan, I mean, it's going to, it's going to help you prioritize what's going to be essential for your ministry. It's going to help you make better decisions. You'll communicate better because you know what you're trying to accomplish. And here's the, here's the gem and all that, that I didn't really know until I really started doing it. It will. Let you have better working relationships mm. with the ministry staff that you work with. Because one thing that I don't know that many, uh, especially if you're new to kids ministry, I don't know that sometimes um, you'll find that your senior leader doesn't quite understand how kids ministry works. Mm. And yep. that's not a knock on them. It has to do with their ministry journey. A lot of senior leaders come from a, a church planning background or a youth ministry background that's something that doesn't quite have the same dynamics as a, as a as a as a kids ministry does and so they'll you may need 20 volunteers because you have to have two per group you can't mm -hmm. leave your kid alone with a child you have to have a certain ratio you're trying to keep and they're saying well just go out and take them all out to lunch and get to know them and and build relationships, <laughs> and you'll eventually have volunteers, and you're like, I, I can't <laughs> really do that the same way. Yeah, right. Because it's, yeah. it's so, but if you have a plan, if you have a plan, 
that you can bring to your senior leader and you guys can collaborate over that plan, then what that does is that gives your senior leader a great idea of how you spend your time and what the priorities of the ministry are. And they have something to measure against. And yes, okay, you guys are on literally the same page, right? So that helped quite a bit. I think that's really good because I think as we're, as we're talking about this idea is that one of the things that's going to help you do is build credibility because sometimes we don't often communicate clearly all of the things that we're trying to do and what we have working on. And it often comes across. I've heard youth pastors. I've heard children's pastors. I've heard family, you know, get asked by the senior leader. So what are you working on? Well, I'm working on a lot of different stuff. I'm so busy. I've got so much stuff going on and, and, and stuff is the code word for, I don't really know everything. Mm. I'm just doing stuff. I'm doing lots of things and hoping it's going to add up to something. Um, and, and I'm saying that because I was guilty of that at times early on in my ministry years because I didn't, I wasn't always the best planner. And, and uh, you know, as, as Jim Weidman always says, you know, nobody's born organized. We're all born naked. We have to learn. Yeah, I love that he says it way better than I do, but, but it's true. You know, I mean, we, we have to learn these things. And so whether you're a natural planner or not so natural, what I like and what I'm excited to get into with you on this podcast is that everybody can learn how to do this. You have yes. really a, a design process that, that can help people start thinking through. And so let's break down that design process where do we start because oftentimes that's what paralyzes young leaders new leaders or leaders who tend to fly going mock three with their hair on fire becomes overwhelming so start where's the start line what is this what are we looking at so for i would say the answer to that question for me is if, if you're in children's ministry especially if you're new to children's ministry and you're like what where do i begin the start line for you are going to be three key people groups okay. that you're trying to have a vision for. You're going to want to need to have a vision for obviously kids. I mean, that's going to be your number one priority people group, right? It's in your title. If you're still as ministry later, <laughs> that I'll tell you right there, kids are your first priority. Your second key people group that are going to be important to you, they're, they're not as important to kids, but they're very important. Are your adult leaders, your, what, your, what people call volunteers, coaches, I call them influential adults and teens yeah. oh, that's good. that are going to be pouring into those kids. You see, the beautiful thing about children's ministry is one of the ministries, one of the largest, if not the largest ministry in most churches in terms of how many people you, you have to, you need mm-hmm. to run it. Right. And that gives you a lot of opportunity. For people in your congregation to put their gifts in the service for the kingdom. And so in one sense, you're almost an administrator in that you're like, I'm putting people into places where they can have impact on the kids that I'm called to pastor. So that's your secondary group of people. And you'll spend a lot of time working with them. And the third group of people are parents who are the number one disciples to their kids. Now, your job is not to disciple parents. That's actually the job of the pastor. That's what they're doing. 
but your, your job is to encourage, equip, support, and advocate for parents discipling their kids. And so they become the third thing. So if you have a vision for each of those three areas, Tom, then you're going to be in a really good place okay. to start. Everything you do will probably fall under one of those three buckets. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's break those down a little bit more then. Okay. So when you're talking about kids and then we'll go with the other couple groups, but all right, what do so we I need mean, to consider so, about some of them? Very good. I want you to go with me on a journey to ideal land. We're going to go to the ideal land. All right. All right. There's no point in having a vision if you don't have an ideal. If everybody wants to, they want to ground it in reality. Reality says we're not going to get there. And you know what? There, we're going to live in the real world, no question about it. But if we don't have somewhere to go, we're going to aim way too low. So let's go for the ideal. Let's go for what would be an ideal kid who was born, came into my nursery, grew up, attended faithfully every week. And eventually, by the time they were fifth or sixth grade, transitioned into the student ministry, right? You want to say, what does that kid look like? What okay. happened with that kid? And there's four key questions you want to ask. About okay. That. All right. First question is, what do they know? What do they know? Ask yourself, if a kid was went through my ministry and when they left, what would be... What would they know? What would the ideal kid know? Was it scripture? Is it now? These are things you're going to have to think through and decide for yourself. I can't. I can't answer that for you. The Bible would be a great place to start. <laughs> the, yeah, that the, might be a good foundational sure. teaching of scripture. But it could be that theologically, philosophically, what do what does a kid who comes out of there know about God, about mm-hmm. the church, about Christ? about the work of the Holy Spirit. Those things will be, what do they know about it? The second question is going to be, who do they connect with? Right? Who are they connecting with? What kind of adults have been playing in their lives? What kind of teens have been playing in their lives? What kind of friends do they have? What kind of relational social environment do these kids come into when they come and join the other members of their church together and learn about Jesus? What kind of social structure? Who do they care? The third, what do they do? What are their actions? Mm-hmm. Do they participate? Do they try to pull the wall down? Do this? <laughs> do they hit their neighbor or do they encourage their neighbor? What an ideal kid that goes through your ministry, what should their actions be? Are they bringing their friends to church? All right. Are they, mm-hmm. are they doing their best to find the answers and, and engage with the with the lesson, those types of things. So that's the third. Like, so you got what do they know? Who do they connect with? What do they do? Fourth question is, what do they believe? Mm, okay. What do they believe? Do they believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead? Do they believe that Jesus loves them, values them? Do they believe that God sees them as his child? Or do they think God, God sees them as someone who's he's angry with how do they be what do they believe about god about themselves and god's presence about christ about the holy spirit's presence in their life what do they believe about these things because ultimately your goal here your major goal for this whole bucket is growing 
followers of Jesus. Mm, that's right? good. That's people good. who follow Jesus and are growing in their faith, growing followers yeah. of Jesus. And so right. that would be what an ideal kid looks like. Now, what I recommended in the workshop is that people take a few minutes and just pray and listen and think and jot down the first things that start coming by. So you That's might good. want to take 20, 15, yeah. 20, 30 minutes and say, God, what does an ideal kid who comes to my ministry look like? And answer mm. these four questions. Yeah. And say, if I these things are going on, this is going to be a growing follower of Jesus. And then once you have that, now you have an idea of what you're trying to do. So everything comes into play then. What kind of curriculum That's am I going to do? really use? good. It's going to lead me to that growing follower of Jesus. What kind of events do I plan? What kind of programs do I offer? What kind of opportunities for kids to encounter Christ do I, am I going to create? Uh, what kind of relationships am I going to encourage? All of these things are because we're trying to pursue this ideal kid. Yeah. Like it's this persona of what we hope would be every kid in our ministry. Yeah, it can definitely serve as a filter for so many things, choosing curriculums, all those kind of things. Because oftentimes when people ask about, hey, what curriculum, you know, should I be using? Or, you know, I'm thinking about switching. What, what? I'm always asking these kind of questions to somebody before I recommend something. Because depending on how they answer those questions, then, then you can kind of fit. So I like, I, I think this is a great thing for, for new leaders or seasoned leaders. You really should probably hit the pause button here in the podcast and, Take some time and answer those questions. Sit on those for a while. Lean into the yeah. spirit for clarity in some of that. Ask some of your te key team members for input would be good. Okay, so we've got the kids. Now our team, our volunteers. Right. Um, so what, what do we need to know about them? The next two are going to follow a lot of similar principles. All right, that we okay. just did with the first one. Okay. We're, we're have an ideal. What does the ideal volunteer look like? And there's some decent questions and there's a goal. So it's going to follow this pattern. It's going to repeat. So once you do the pattern once with your kid, you realize you're going to follow this pattern again. It helps you get into kind of a rhythm. There so you go. now we're going with the ideal volunteer. All right. The ideal volunteer, perfect volunteer, the ideal, the volunteer that you wish you, everybody was this volunteer. And so some of the questions that comes to mind for this volunteer is, what do they say about your ministry, right? When they're talking wow. to other, when they're talking to you, when they're talking to each other, how is their, how do they talk about the kids? What do they say about, do they use names? Do they have relationships? Are they complaining that these little rugrats are getting on my nerves? <laughs> you know, not that they won't yeah. have bad days, but what are they actually saying on a consistent basis? This ideal volunteer. Yeah. Who are they connected with? And this is really important because these teams that are doing this ministry together, because that's what they're doing. They're not individuals coming to fill a role that you gave them. They're teams you've put together that are serving Christ by serving those kids. And I literally have one story I witnessed where I, we were getting ready to do, we did a children's worship experience at this one church I was at, and we were getting ready to do it. I was, I was a volunteer at the time. I was on a volunteer team. Uh, we were going to go and do this. And we were we, before every 
service, we kind of went over, this is what the service is going to look like. How can we be praying for each other? And I kid you not, there was nothing more than a um, false wall, not even going to the ceiling that separated us from the other kids. That's how, you know, it's not <laughs> a private space. Volunteer raises his hand and said, my wife left me this morning. Can you pray for me? Oh, boy. And wow. we did. And we did. And there was relation. There was relationship there. That that volunteer felt like these are my people. I've done ministry for over 20 years. And I can tell you that I have seen sometimes more relationship formed by two guys painting some ridiculous set piece. I thought uh, um, at two in the morning talking about their families and and talking about each other in you know, their lives, then yeah. all, tons of Bible studies that they would sit in and listen to lectures and answer questions because they're building relationships just because they're doing something together. Yeah. Right. Serving these kids is doing something together. So who are they connected with? You know, what's the deal? How do they serve? That's an interesting question when you think about how do they serve? Because mm -hmm. there's there's uh, my favorite type of uh I talk about this type of, I get in trouble for this on your, on your Facebook day. <laughs> We're talking about particular group of people. There's people who serve that I call help. Help is not, please don't hear me that I, yeah. I, um, I don't like people who are willing to help out. But oftentimes what I've found in my experience is that people who want to help out want to only come if there's an absolute emergency. Yeah. They don't tend to invest very heavily in kids. There, when I'm saying help, that's what I mean. There are other yep. people disagree, but I was like, when I say help, what I mean is they, they only want to show up in emergencies. They don't typically invest. They're not terribly involved in the ministry itself. They just want to be there and, and help out. Yeah. And yep. that's great. That's, that's a total great thing. But you also need people who are showing up on a regular basis. Yes. Who are preparing or getting to know the kids and getting to know their parents. Yeah. Are they sending birthday cards? Are they going to baseball games? Are they participating in community with these families? Because that actually makes a huge difference in the lives of kids. Keep in mind, we're talking about volunteers here or, or ideal volunteers uh, for lack of a ideal volunteers. So you may be thinking in your head, nobody's ever going to want to do blah, 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 blah. We have to go for the, for, for an ideal. Yep. Won't the top quality we're looking for. So how do they serve? And then yep, that's a good question. lastly, who do they ask? Who are they saying, Hey, you need to come with me and be a part mm -hmm. of it. Who, who, who are they bringing with them? Let's say, can I, can I bring my small group? Can we come in and do it together? Can I bring my best friend and let's do this together? Can I, can we do this as a, as a, as a team? Who are they asking to come and serve? Mm. So it's, what do they say? Who yeah. are they connected with? How do they serve? And who do they ask? And our goal here, our goal, healthy, growing teams. Yes. Now, I'll say it again. This is what this looks like for you. This is your ideal. Whoever's hearing this, it's, don't try to copy another church in this respect. Right. Oh, sure. This, Vision, this is like, this is the vision God's giving me for my group of people that he's giving me to shepherd. Yeah. So in your context, what does a healthy growing team look like? And these four questions will help you get to that space. That's really good.
And I think a lot of times it's where you can, if you're evaluating and you're paying attention to these answers, it, you know, it's going to tell you the health of your team in a lot of ways. If they're not inviting others to serve with them, if if they're not staying connected, if they're not, if if how they serve is hit and miss, and mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I call them renters. <laughs> if they're yeah, renting the ministry, you know, and not owning it, there's a big difference, you know. And so I do think there's a difference between helping and committed. I, I agree. I do remember that <laughs> post. That was fun. Hey, um, yeah, it was. It was it's, it's, it's yeah, the wonder of the internet and everyone's everyone's idea of what that word means. Yeah, people read it how they wanted to read it instead of yeah. reading it and listening to the heart of the message there. So, but yeah, so I, I see that, that if a leader will take the time to make a plan, and again, this is the ideal, this isn't going to be, you're going to get everything, but right. you've got to aim at something or you're never going to hit anything. So dream on this and put it down on paper, because this is something you can pray through as you're recruiting, as you're team building. So, all right, so we've got kids, we've got teams. Now let's let's talk about the parents. What are the questions oh, yeah. we want to ask about parents? Okay, so again, we talked we're, we're kind of re recapping a little bit that the parents are not are the key disciples of children. They're they're going to have more time with their kid than you will ever have. You'll ever have. And now sometimes they don't. Problem with parents is they don't really know that, and they feel like that they're not equipped well to disciple their kids, and they feel like that. You know, I take my kids to school to learn math. I take my kids to church to learn about God. And so what part of your job is to encourage them to do that. And part of your job is to see how they feel about your ministry and um, the safety and security and engagement of your kids there. Because believe it or not, your ministry can sometimes be the make or break of whether or not a parent is going to go to your church. Mm -hmm. They may love everything yep. about the church for them. But if they feel like their kids aren't getting what they need, they're gone. They go yep. somewhere else. Very true. Very true. So here are the questions I have for parent. The ideal parent. The first one is how do they interact with the church? How are they interacting with are they do they have a customer service mentality? I like to say. Like where they're going, okay, <laughs> you're here to you're here to be a service for me. You're basically babysitting while I go to church. You know, I don't see you as trying to support me. Just leave me alone. Make sure I can, you know, I'm happy that customer service. Or do they interact with the church? It's like, hey, we're a body of Christ. We're working together to build up a generation of people who will continue our our body beyond us, mm -hmm. basically. Right. So this is ideal parents. So the question is, do they disciple at home? Are they, what are they doing at home? Are they praying with their kids at home? Are they reading the Bible with their kids at home? Are they working on scripture memory? Are they talking about Jesus when they're riding to school or when they're waiting for the line at Target? Do they talk about like, well, you know, let's be thankful for the things we have. Let's play gratitude. What are they doing now? Again, your ideal parent is going to be like, yeah, they're going to be all in on making sure their kid is following Jesus. But Part of what we do as children's pastors is we equip and encourage these things. Mm -hmm. So, so you're like, if they, if you're thinking, okay, these are the things I would love for them to do, then you go and look for resources. You go and look for, you, just, you can do things like start a Facebook group 
and other things to help encourage parents in this discipleship journey and help equip them. The next question is, who are they inviting? Are they bringing anybody? Yeah. Like, you know, are they bringing their neighborhood people? Is, is this, is, you know, are, when you want to do a summer event where you're going to host, where a house would host some kids to do an evangelism thing in the summer and we can invite kids from the neighborhood, do they step up and offer their house or are they keeping everything quiet? You know, that, that'll tell you something if they're not well, like it does. And then the last thing is, what do they say about this ministry, the children's ministry? What do they say about it? Is it someplace they, their kids love to come? Is it something that they're happy to support? They don't even have to be volunteers. That's not even what we're looking for. But we're looking for supporters that are like, yes, we think our children's ministry is, is really doing something to help our kids learn about Christ. And they're great support for us. They're a great resource that we think all parents should have access to. And so that'll play in all those things. And so you know, how do they interact with the church? Do they disciple at home? Who do they invite? And what do they say about the ministry? And our goal here is engage the disciplers of their children. That's what our goal is. We want them, right. as far as we're concerned, right, again, like I don't want to put the burden of building up Christ-like parents on a children's pastor. That's not really your role. Right, but right. It is, it is your role to support these parents and saying, you know what, I know that you're the key discipler and I'm going to do everything I can to help you succeed. So, That's good stuff. All right, so we've got some really good questions. And again, I would encourage you, you know, maybe play this back and then pause after each of these sections and spend some time praying and thinking and leaning into and putting these answers down and, and doing that. So, so a leader does that. Let's say that our listeners out there, they all have paused and they've, they've answered the questions. They've got a good list of things. What should they do next with this? And Cause it's, you know, this is just one piece of the puzzle as we build right. this plan out. So what are we looking at next? So the next thing I have is, is a roadmap. We want to look at it in terms of where we want to go, but also how long does it take to get there? You okay. know, one of the mistakes we can make is to try to spin all this up at once. And Ooh, when we do yeah. that, we're spinning <laughs> plates, right? And the only two things plates can do is spin or crash. Crash. I was going to say, they're going to crash. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to move forward. So we don't want to take the opportunity. We don't want to say, okay, we're going to try to accomplish all these ideals and all these groups the first year out the gate. That's just not going to happen. But it is important to maybe look at more of a five-year plan. So what I was encouraging the group to do is I drew a picture on the board. It was a sunrise and a road leading to the bright future. And it had right. three road signs, year one, year three, and year five. Okay. And I told everybody, start in year five and answer this question. If all three people groups become who, become who you hope them to be, what will your ministry look like in five years? Mm. If these ideals get fulfilled, again, we're dealing with ideals, super bright future. <laughs> we want the super bright future. There's no reason to not go for it. Right. 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 In God. And That's right. We don't want to be like. Shoot, shoot low. Let's just shoot. Let's keep the bar low. No, go, go for it. Yes. If that happened, what would you envision your ministry to look like? So you want to take some time to think about that in five years, if all these things come to be, 
what's that going to look like? What 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 feel? Like? Try mm-hmm. to put yourself in that future, and kind of we call it in futurism. It's called remembering the future. So it's almost like you're reflecting on this thing that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Okay. So you'll spend some time just like imagining yourself in that space and saying, what does it, and this is where we're we're praying. We're listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. We're listening to what God is saying. If all these things come to be, what will it feel like? Mm. Once we're kind of happy there, we want to jump back to year one. Right. Year one is where we want to go next. And that's because that's where we are. We're in year one of our five-year plan. If you come up with a five-year plan, whatever year you're in, that's year one. (laughs) And let me say, I like five years, Tom, because five years is far enough that you could have a big vision, Uh but it's not so far that it becomes a vague destination. Like you can actually see, I can see us getting somewhere in five years. Now let's say, but I'm going to be here for 10, 20, my whole career. Just do it in five-year chunks. Like, if you get to that and you go come up with a new five-year plan and start there and keep going. So everything kind of happens in like this five-year thing. But what I found in most cases, when a children's pastor stays in their role for five years, God does some amazing things. Yes. Amazing. Oh, yeah. If you leave every year in or year to have, you're always starting over. Yep. Right. So going back to year one. The first thing that I, I like to encourage every new children's pastor to do is almost nothing in your first year. <laughs> As I know, it's hard to resist. You come in and be like, I just want to change this. I want to fix this. No. Because here's some things you need to do. You need to learn how the church works. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how this context works. Now, maybe you've been here, but you've never been on staff before. And you say, I've been in this church 20 years. Have you ever been on staff? If you haven't, it's a new dynamic. Yeah. So oh, sure. How that works. You've got to build relational equity with both your teams and your fellow pastors and your senior leaders. You've got to build your equity here. So in order to move and make change, you have people have to trust you. If they don't know you, they can't trust you. Trust is not something you can command. That has to be earned. It's one of the yes. few things. Ooh, even your title or position good. can't make someone trust you. It can make someone fought, obey you. Right. You make someone trust right. You. So that has to be earned, and that's earning through relationship. So the things that I like to say is you spend your first year, you spend your first year building relationships, and if there's a major, we got to fix this. One thing that everybody agrees needs to be fixed. You hear about the term everybody agrees. Not you. Everybody. You show up on your team like this program is this. The, we don't know yeah, what's right. this program if you dive in and work on that program, guess what? You're going to build relational equity with everybody else. So you're right. listening to your team. They're going to hear, they're going to hear. She listens to me. He listens to me. He's helping me. She's helping me. And they're going to, that's going to build that. So what do I need to do? What do I need to fix? What do I need to stop? Is there a thing or two that we need to do with? And there's an exercise that I like to, I showed the group that you like to do. And it's, you have a balloon. You draw a balloon, uh huh, right, and the balloon has a tether to the ground. Okay, and you have everybody say, "Okay, what's helping us get lift? What are the things that's lifting our ministry up?" You start with the positive, and they say, "Oh, and this is going good. This is going good." You list all those things. 
okay, what's holding us down? What's keeping us tethered to the ground? What's keeping us from getting the height we really want to get? And you list those things and you pick one. I typically offer, I say, here's one or two options. Pick whatever you think. If we fix this, we'll fix a lot of the other problems. It's like a big problem. Mm-hmm. Or if we fix this, can do this right now and get a quick. So, and build a momentum. And then you move on to the next. But you do that with the team and you do that together. And you don't try to accomplish your five-year vision on your first year. That's how you spend your first year. Okay. What do you know? What do you need to stop? Those kinds of things. Okay. Let's jump back into the map. We go back to year three. Okay. I was just yeah. thinking, hold it. You, you've done five. You've done one. What about the middle? I know. That's, see, the year three is so cool, cool because year three is the only time you're going to be able to look back and say, I can see where how far we've come. Uh-huh. And look forward and say, I can see that we're moving in the right direction. Okay. All right. So that's what year three is. Year three, you're asking the questions of, are we moving toward this vision? Are we actually making progress toward that five-year sunrise? Yeah. Or, and then questions like, what are we moving away from that we need to move away from? And so that's what the year three kind of point is. I like to tell people to, if you can... Take a day or two and go away and think think more broadly on your ministry and pray about it and look at like, okay, before we were doing these things, now we're doing these things. It might help to bring a person or two along who's been on this journey with you. Volunteers or something, you could do it on a do it on a weekend and say, let's let's take a couple of days and mm, pray and be good. and see if you're yeah. moving in the right direction. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the five-year plan that's got three major buckets so five year the one year and the three that's awesome all right so we've answered our for our big questions for each of the three groups we've now looked back at five years <laughs> dreaming about yeah. five years yeah. We're, yeah we've looked at our current now we're looking at at what comes to the middle and we know how to evaluate that so what's the best way because people can go through and they can build this plan out they can put it all down on paper but implementation yeah really actually doing it is critical obviously because i see a lot of people who you know it's like going to a ministry conference you get all these great ideas but if you don't know how to go home and implement anything you've wasted your time and your money on doing that so you don't want to do all this work and not have a plan, an understanding of here's step one, here's step two. This is how I roll this out. This is how I implement it. So what's some of the key tips that they should keep in mind when you start start thinking about implementation? So what I recommended was over the next six weeks, you do these four things. Through prayer and consideration, answer your big question. Answer okay. the big questions about the kids, the volunteers, the parents. Answer those big questions about your fit, your five years out, your one, your one year, and your one year at the moment. You won't be able to do three years because you have to be three years in to ask those <laughs> questions. But you can't ask about five and one. Yeah. All right. Ask those things. Ask yourself what steps you need to take to accomplish this five-year future. What What do I need to do? What, so these are going to become even smaller questions, like. It comes to things like curriculum or programs or events or 
how you're going to run your ministry, they all fall under that. Does this move us toward the five-year future? Does this mm. move us toward those ideal personas that we've created? All right. That gives you a barometer to kind of go, okay, yes or no. All right. And then you want to put the plan together on a paper and you want to share that with your leader for feedback. So you go to your senior and you say, you know, I've been praying through and thinking about our ministry because you're doing this in your year one. You're, you're taking your time. You're getting to know the people. And you're, but I have been praying and thinking about where we can go with this ministry. Here's my plan. I want to get your feedback on it. All right. You're not saying this is what I'm doing. Deal with it. But at the same time, you're not saying, I, I just want to do whatever, because you don't want to be stuck going, I'm going to do someone else's plan because I didn't have one. Yes. You don't want us to do something that was being done before because you can't think, seem to think of it. But if you go to your leader with a plan, that leader will, I promise you, they'll, pro they'll look at it and they'll give you feedback on it because yeah. they'll appreciate you took the time. And then the last thing, you start to plan. Mm -hmm. You start doing it. You start taking every little step to make that plan a reality. Yeah. And what happens is when you're doing your, when your leader's coming through and measuring what's going on in your ministry, you're both talking about the plan. How right. many volunteers do you need to have? Is part of going to be part of your plan? Because what do you need to have to make, to create the ideal situation for the kids can encounter Christ so that they know the things they know. So they reach that five-year future. So if he's going to go, where's your volunteer numbers at? Well, because you're both thinking about where you're going. It's not left to everyone to decide for themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So any, any other encouragement tips, what should they keep in mind about this whole process? So um, that's very good. And this is why I, I talk about this being more like a visionary plan and not a highly detailed plan. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not a super detailed planner because what I've learned is if you have a goal, there are multiple ways you can get there. And the way I like to describe it is you take the number 10, right? And so it's like, how do you, what numbers do you get number 10? Well, you can go two times five is 10. One plus nine is 10. 168 minus 158 is 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. 4.25 plus 5.725 is 10. <laughs> All right. A thousand divided by a hundred is 10. There's an infinite number of ways mathematically to get yeah. the answer 10. Right? Okay. Uh-huh. Right? It's not just one. What happens is oftentimes when we come up with plans, we come up with a with a detailed plan. When something doesn't go right, it derails the entire plan. Mm, okay. Right? And yep. you have to keep in mind our goals are what should stay solid. So what I like to, the way I described it was hold your goals with closed fists. This is where we're going. Hold your methods with an open hand. All right. Keep those methods flexible. Yeah. Because what happens is if I can't get to 10, one direction, I'll go the other. If I can't reach my goal through my original plan, I know where I want to go. So all we know is that way is not the way to go. There's another way. And you rethink it and go, how can we get this way? It's the same thing. You can talk this over with your senior leader too. You can say, Hey, you know, we were doing this, 
We're going to stop it. Well, wait, you said you wanted to get to here. I still do. But what I'm Ooh. finding is this doesn't get us to there. Right. We need to come up with a new way to get there. But you always can keep that goal in your mind and keep that goal as your target and find different ways to try to achieve it. All right. All right. So there you have it, my friends. I, I think this is something that any leader, again, whether you're a super planner or whether you're, you're kind of nervous about it and you're like, I'm not sure, you know, I, I've found that things like this actually set me up to be freer and more creative. It doesn't lock me down. I know there's some people out there that when you start talking about planning, they start breaking out in hives because they're worried about it being the ball and chain effect. And honestly, when I'm planning, it's it's freeing to me. I can do more. I can and I I see things clearer. Um, and and honestly, God's a God of order, not a God of just chaos and randomness. We do need to think in steps. And I think that's what this process does. Um is it helps every leader, whether you're new or whether you're seasoned, to sit down and to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this out before the Lord as a plan. I'm going to ask God to guide the steps and to fill in all the other pieces. Because, and then watch what he does, because we've taken the time to think it through, to count the cost, so to speak, and to consider the different ways of doing ministry. And, and it'll keep us from, you know, the the whole thing of comparison and all that you don't have to worry about any of that because God's given us this plan and we can we can go forward with it. So yeah. that's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing it. If people want to learn more or if they want to ask questions from you, how what would be the best way for people to to do that? They can email me Jason at ministry accelerator.org. You probably want to put that in the show notes. I will do that. <laughs> I'm going to write all that down. That's the best way to get to me. Okay. They can, I, and I can, I'm happy to answer whatever questions you might have or anything they can, they can help. All right. Awesome. Yep. We will put that in the show notes for sure. So people can find it. Well, Jason, my friend, thanks for taking time to share this with us. We appreciate it. Appreciate all the, the work you've put into thinking this through and helping helping us make our ministries more effective. Oh, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it for having me. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective podcast. And again, if there's any way we can serve you, please reach out. If you're not part of our Facebook group, come join. Just make sure you answer all the questions because we do take that serious. We don't let people in if they just ignore the questions. So Make sure you answer that. Like and subscribe. Leave a review for the podcast. It just helps us get it out there in front of more people. And again, if you're if you're looking for some some help, just go to kidsministrycollective.com. Uh, there's links to the podcast. The show notes are there. Blogs. You can learn about coaching. If you get stuck and you need some help thinking these kind of things through, we would be glad to do that for you and help you out. So, all right, my friends, stay tuned for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe 
and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.